Hey, I want to introduce to you, uh, and there's going to be a video after me before he comes, but introduce to you a, a, a f dear friend of mine. I've got to be with Chris Swanson a couple of times for some other men's events around the country. And when I heard him speak and God called me here about two and a half years ago to Crossroads, I kept his name in my mind because I'm like, if we ever do a men's event like this, this guy has to come. And uh, he is a sheriff in Flint, Michigan. You may have seen he made national media uh, back during, uh, right, actually before the pandemic, I guess, when some of the protests uh, were happening with the George uh, Floyd uh, incident. And um, uh, anyway, dynamic speaker, loves the Lord, great family. But I'll let this video do the rest of the introduction. You prepare your hearts to hear from the Lord and what Chris is going to share with us here in just a second. Watch this. What happens when racial violence explodes? What happens when black and blue no longer trust each other? What happens when change seems out of reach? Well, we rise. We rise to the challenge. Combine passion with compassion. We take action and lead by example. Flint, Michigan, the sheriff put down his baton and listened to protesters. We want to be with y'all for real. So I took my helmet off and laid the batons down. You tell us what you need to do. have to do the right thing. They have to be held accountable. You can't make a wrong or right. Call it what it is. We create unity in diversity and we change the world. Meet Chris Swanson, a lifetime police officer who was elected sheriff of Genesee County, Michigan in a landslide in 2020. He's also a four-time Ironman finisher, public speaker, author, university professor, and did I mention one of the most well-known and respected sheriffs in the country? with over 3 billion combined views and Google searches. Meet Ken Wadike Jr., or as many have called him, the free hugs guy. He grew up homeless in California, earned a college scholarship as a track athlete, and was training for the Olympics with Nike before starting the Free Hugs Project in 2013. You may have seen him on television giving hugs to protesters and police, at TED Talks, on his popular social channels, or maybe even in a Super Bowl ad. These two have dedicated their lives to creating unity. And now, they've come together with a passionate team to build a movement. Violent death at 18 years old, my first violent death. A dude was in a hospital bed, and I just started with the sheriff's office. His wife went out to go get Burger King, and when she was out, he went over. He got a pistol, and bam! He pulled the trigger. And, and that moment right there started this, this whole journey in law enforcement because I just come out of high school. I had not seen anything like that, but I had heard about it. My dad and my grandpa were both Detroit cops. I grew up hearing stories of Detroit police, including the riots. My grandpa was in the 1945 riots. My dad was in the 1967 riots. And so throughout my whole career and through my whole life, I kept being put in positions of more violence on the dope team, working with gang activity. And in Flint, Michigan, that is a real deal. 
That is a real deal that a lot of communities suffer with. And I learned things. I got promoted to the detective bureau. I was a detective sergeant, lieutenant. I went to be captain in, in that whole investigative experience. I worked cases and I saw so many, so many, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dead people. Broken families, victims, not just violent crime. People have been embezzled. People lost everything. Throughout a whole year, I'm going on my 30th year this time and, uh, you know, going through all the ranks. But when I was elected sheriff, that changed everything. Because when, when you're elected by the people, no matter, no matter where you are, when the people take time to check a box with your name in it, there's a big responsibility. Jared on the way here was asking me about where I travel and do I have to ask this, do I have this? I don't have a boss. You know who my boss are? The half a million people in Genesee County. They're my boss. And I'm one of them. So I always look at opportunities as, what is the life lesson? Among all the violence that I see, what, what can we bring good out of it? And that's why you're here today. In fact, I'm going to break down a murder that happened in 1997. Her name was Mary Prier. She was 88 years old. And she went to church six days a week. She was a devout Catholic. She lived alone. Her husband died. He was named Leonard. They had no kids. She lived a peaceful life in a little town called Lennon. Every day she'd go to the Lennon bar and get a half a sandwich, a cup of soup, and she had her little dog there. And she would go to this church and she would serve and she kept to herself. Every night she would bite off a hunk of garlic and take a shot of whiskey. That's how she was. One day somebody knocked on her door. We don't know who that was. As she opened the door, there was a violent encounter that happened right dead at the door. The next day, there you could see the blood stain. She was dragged from her house on February 27th, 1997. She was raped. She was dragged and beaten and left for dead 1,257 feet from her house. The next day, her brother-in-law, James, came to take her to church, knocked on the door. She wasn't there. She takes her every day, six days a week. Where is Mary? The dog is inside. At noon, we get the call for a missing elderly lady named Mary. The search party comes out, and one of our canines finds her laying half-naked with a shroud over her face in the woods, 32 degrees. Mary's dead. I only had four years on the job. I was working patrol. I'd just come off the dope team. I wasn't even at the scene. But in 2002, that murder that was still cold, was assigned to me as a young detective. In 2002, my captain at the time, Captain Campo, said, Sergeant Swanson, I want you to take this case. It's been cold for five years. We have a lot of suspects, but you're going to start from the beginning. And I'm here to tell you this. From 2002 up until today, I've worked that case, a cold case. Now, I know for a fact one person knows exactly what happened. And it's the one whose foot impressions we have pictures of dragging Mary by her left hand all the way back to where she was laid. There was one set of foot impressions dragging this victim. And I know she was dead by the time she was dragged because they dragged her so long that the heels on her feet, the skin wore down and there was no bleeding because you don't bleed when you're dead. You only bleed when your heart's pumping. So there was no blood. There was just impressions and a foot traffic. And right there is where she was. So I know there was one person there. I just don't know who it was. 
I did interviews all over the country. Crime Stopper tips here, people calling up, different murders. There's a guy named Thomas Bruce that killed a bunch of people. He's in Missouri. I, I flew down there to interview him, and, and he shut me down, but he just didn't have it. And a guy named Randy Ball that's in prison in Kinross. I went up to, to the UP in Michigan and drove seven hours to go talk to him to realize that he was actually in custody at the time of the murder. I mean, one thing after another. So when I became sheriff in 2019, uh, as an appointed sheriff, I knew I was going to do a lot of cool stuff. I knew I get to do some things that I don't need to ask if this is the right thing. Just always, always, gentlemen, do what's right in the heart. Whenever you get a position of influence, just do what's right in your heart. And I knew that she had to bring justice. Like, we had to go to Mary and give her justice. So I said, I'm going to start a whole cold case team just for this case. And there was a retired guy. His name is Kevin Shanlon. He was one of the original detectives. He was off duty. He wasn't working. He was retired. So I called him up and I said, listen, I want to deputize you to work this case again. I signed a single evidence technician, her name is Chrissy, and I said, we're going to go back, the three of us, from the 911 call. From the time James called 911, we're going to start from there. Every interview, every investigative subpoena, every piece of evidence, did it get tested right? Did we test everything? Do we have to do a follow-up interview? Everything. And that was December of 2020. Months went by. We're going over, going over, going over. I'm still doing all these things. The protest has just happened. COVID's going crazy. You know, that video you saw, that was one of 40 protests we had that year. 40. And when, and when the Holy Spirit gave me that moment to say, hey, step in and, and solve this issue, it wasn't because I was macho. It wasn't because I, I had a great plan. It was because the Spirit of God said, step in and listen to the people. And we didn't have a single arrest, no glass broke, nobody, nobody did anything, nobody burned anything. That's Flint, Michigan. And let me just tell you, that moment, that whole year is just going about 1,000 miles an hour. I was in the middle of an election, the politics of the country. There was the hottest summer we've had in a decade. Protests going all over. I mean, you lived it. It was buck wild. But when we assigned that case, I'm like, that's my vision, right? In February of 2021, I got a phone call. Kevin calls me up. He's like, hey, you won't believe this. Deoxyribonucleic acid deoxyribonucleic acid. If there's one thing that's going to put somebody at the scene, it's deoxyribonucleic acid. You know what that is? DNA. DNA. Whenever you have a crime scene, especially a murder, you have investigative evidence technicians, and we pick up DNA. Now, mind you, this is 1997. So in 1997, when DNA was still real new... They still had some knowledge to take samples. And the technician, Tony Watkins, took a vaginal swab of Mary Prayer. But here's what happened. On that day of the murder, they took it to the lab in 1997. I got assigned a case in 2002. It hadn't been tested in 24 years. I said before, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to be solved, but I do know this. And I'm not saying it because I'm here at church. I said, God's got to solve this case. I, I have got thousands of hours of interviews all over. Nothing. God's got to solve this case. And boom, he gave that piece of evidence. We took that vaginal swab. 
we send it over to the lab on the west side of the state of Michigan, the number one lab in the country because it was just updated. Everybody knows it is the best lab for DNAs. And what happens is they take that swab and they test it. They break it down and they get the profile. So when you have a DNA test, this is how minute it is. All of us have genetic material that's different than anybody else in the world. And that genetic material, that DNA, inside of it creates the chromosomes that give you the height that you are, the eye color you are. That DNA, in that chromosome loop, you have 23 from mom, 23 from dad, 46 total chromosomes. That DNA material built from genes, which is the smallest, you can't even see it, genetic makeup, that's what gives people a profile as to who it is. So genes build the DNA that are in the chromosomes, 23, 23, 46, boom, that's who it is. There's not a single person in this room that has the same DNA that you have. There's not a single person in this country that has your identical DNA. Ready for this? There's not a single person in the world, both present, past, and in the future. How do I know this? Because of science. So DNA from 1997 has been a global scientific evidence technique. And when we tested that vaginal swab, we got a profile, which means that we literally have the 46 chromosomes built in a scientific formula that said, this DNA belongs to a person. Well, how do you know who the person is? What do you do? You compare it to a known sample. So I had suspects. Because of the investigation that happened before I even had it, they did do a lot of things wrong, but they did some things right. They took the blood via search warrant from their top four suspects. And one of them, his name is Michael. Now, we'd always thought Michael was a suspect, but he had a brother named Dave. They had a friend named Dan. He had the brother-in-law and his friend. And I could take you on rabbit trails all day long as to who did it, who had the motive, who had the opportunity, who had the most to gain. So we sent the samples. And the sample that we sent of Mike was in a tube. And from 1997 till last spring, it was still liquefied blood. It hadn't even dried. You know what it tells the lab when that comes? That that seal on that tube had never been broken. There's no, you don't need to scrape out dried blood. It's liquid blood from 24 years ago. They tested that blood. It took months. I'm on my way down to Detroit. And I had been waiting to do a TED Talk for a decade. And I was able to do a TED Talk in Detroit. I'm on the way. My, speak, my speaking's at 120. On the way there, I get a call from the inspector from the Michigan State Police, Ryan Larison. I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, what's up, Ryan? He said, Sheriff, I got good news to you. I said, tell me, Ryan, tell me. He said, the killer in your case is Michael Burr. I said, what is the ratio? Ready for this? It's a 1 to 1.9 octillion, which is 1 in 26 zeros. That's DNA. Why is it so important for a kingdom man? It has nothing to do with the murder. Michael's in jail. He's locked up. He's going to prison. Mary's staying dead. It has nothing to do with race relations or riots. That's all important. That's part of what we're doing here. The DNA of a kingdom man lasts forever. What, what you and I do on a regular basis is just a vapor in the wind. 
So when you leave here today, you're going to hear from some, from some amazing speakers. Breakout, you're going to hear from my friend Neeland over there. You're going to be challenged. Something's going to, to, to stir your heart, whether you're a vendor, whether you're back there. It doesn't matter. Something's going to stir your heart. If you leave here with nothing, Satan won. Satan is the father of lies. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want Pastor Jack's conference to work. He wants technical difficulties. He wants you to be bored. He wants to say, how come there's no drums? There's just piano. How come this room's so cold? I hate Chick-fil-A. I love Bojangles. Why do we have Chick-fil-A? He wants to transfer all that power into something that means nothing. But let me just tell you, if you make a commitment that something is going to prick your heart, you're going to take away something to change your whole kingdom, then you have the DNA of a kingdom man. DNA is the true reflection of what you are for your eternity. And when your life is put on a profile like Michael's was, and then your life compared to what Christ asks is mirrored over that, the question you and I are going to have to answer is, is it a match? Is the DNA of your walk a match? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that run around the world They have a busy life and there's no investigation into the true match of who they are. But the investigation doesn't need a sheriff. It doesn't need a deacon. It doesn't need people. You know who who has to do the investigation? Is the man in the mirror. Like, I don't know what you did last night. I have no idea who you, I don't know how, I don't know how you talked to your wife or your, or your girlfriend when you left. I have no idea what you're thinking about. I have no idea what's on your phone. I don't know if you got a girl named Michelle stored as Jim on your phone. I don't know that. I have no idea, but you know, and I know. And so when I look at my life, cause trust me, I'm just as much a student as I am a speaker right now. I have to make sure that there's stop gaps, that there's boundaries because I don't want to be the guy who denies him in public because the Bible says, I will deny you to my father. That's just not salvation. That means the way we live. You could deny Christ by the way you live and then go have a holy holiday on Sundays and be completely two-faced. The Bible says they're double-minded. I want my DNA when I'm with you to be the same as when I'm in Flint, Michigan, whether I'm standing at a protest, testifying at a murder, or being with my wife. I want to be the same dude at the gym as the same dude I am no matter where. I want that DNA because once you're a match, you're a match forever. That DNA left inside Mary Prier on a Q-tip is the same DNA that the guy who's in jail right now that will be there forever. There's a 1 in 1.9 octillion chance I'm wrong, though. But I'm pretty heavy on that bet. So when you ask yourself the question throughout all the speakers today, ask yourself, are you a match? As a kingdom man, and when you're talking about a kingdom man, as a believer, you're giving the kingdom. If you have trusted Christ as your savior, you've accepted him. You've, the Bible says when you acknowledge him with your mouth and believe in your heart, Christ died for your sins, you are saved. That's it. No, no complication. There's probably a lot of dudes in here that are like that. But if your actions from that do not match what you are, then you're not in the kingdom. You're on the outside. If you've never done that, you're not even on the outside. You're not even on the grounds. You're wondering why everything's happening and you just don't have the answer. I can tell you this. The only reason 
The only reason I give this message is because it helps me. It sharpens my sword. And I'm not asking you to do something I don't do myself. But I would be a failure if I didn't give you some simple steps to take to how to maintain that walk. Like, how do we do that? Life is distracting. I, I talked to a guy today who's got, uh, he said, you know, about his diet, that he's got to change the way he eats because his doctor said, I don't want you to have a heart attack and don't you do it on me. So we have health issues. We have all these things that are going on in life. You're trying to build a building. You know, I mean, everybody here has got something going on, all right? Trust me, everybody. And if it's not today, it'll be tomorrow morning or it'll be Tuesday at four. So something's going to happen. But while you're doing this journey, if you can learn to implement these steps, and if you're already doing them, that's that validation part. If you're already doing these simple steps, it's the validation part to keep doing it. Going back to my brothers, my gym rat friends over there. Raise your hand, gym rats. There you go. You know who you are. It's okay. If I come and say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, but i like to see the results that you're having. Would you teach me how to do it? Absolutely. And next thing you know, you're like, I don't like that. Well, then, then you're not going to get the results that I have. Sound familiar? Well, then just walk the steps because the steps I'm going to give you are not Chris's steps. They're biblical. Here's the first one. Ask. The Bible states in the Gospels, ask, seek, and knock. You know, there's a lot of times we talk about, you know, I, I feel bad. I don't want to put God out. I don't want to ask about something so small. Listen, if you're truly in the will of God, which is a whole other talk that I love speaking on, and Neelan, you know that's a, that's a great talk. If you really want to be in the will of God, then you need to start with the first words. It's kind of like for those of us that are married or have some spouses or some girlfriend, and, and, you know, you don't ever, ever ask them out, but you're like, we're married. No, you're not, freak. You haven't even asked a question. We, we sometimes, we, we, we make excuses not to ask for even the small things. And that's what I want you to do. Before your feet hit the ground in the morning, talk to God. Pray like we prayed in there. Lord, I'm just asking that anything comes my way, it's filtered through you. That whatever comes and tries to attack, that I am aware of it. That I have a mindset that's strong. You ask, ask, ask. You got kids, you got grandkids. Imagine your kid having such a need that you're watching them fall apart right there before your eyes and they never ask for your help. You're saying, hey, listen, I'm right here. I'm right here. Come on, come on, I'm right here. They don't ask. And then you ask them, hey, do you love your dad? Absolutely. Then why don't you ask them, oh, I don't want to burden. I don't want to burden my dad, my grandpa. I don't want to burden them. No, that, that, we feel the love when people ask of us. Seek, you know what seek means? That you got to start looking. You have to look. We talk about evangelism. You, you want to know where evangelism is? Where it's inconvenient. Evangelism is right in front of us many times at a Speedway gas station. But we're so committed because we're going to the conference that we forget that the person at the Speedway is a single mom of three who's working two jobs and people yell at them because they don't have the monster brand that they want. And she's just there trying to make 15 bucks an hour to survive. That's your mission field. Lord, seek. Let me seek out people who are hungry for some, 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 some encouragement, some inspiration. Trust me, guilty as charged. I get focused on dumb stuff and I lose track. Now, people are watching believers all the time. They're watching. And then knock. I love this part because it actually makes noise. And there's probably some people here like me that come into a room and I like being loud. I love loud music. I just being, I love loud. When you knock and you make a sound, that's a physical action that has some type of return. It's, it's, a, it's a response back. 
You know, one of the, the greatest pictures is, is obviously this door, and it's got all these vines everywhere, and, and the Lord's standing there, and it's the door, and the other person on the other side, and it says, knock and you shall find. You know, that knock on the door, because it's an action step. Ask, seek, knock. Maybe the Lord's been waiting for you to knock on the door. To, hey, listen, I, I, I want to be used in a different way. I want to have a different vision. I want to see where I'm going. Lord, this is what I need. I seek your, your direction. And how do you do that? You look. You stay aware. You read. You listen. You go to conferences like this. I guarantee there are seeds of blessings that are happening in your life right now just because you've committed to being here. There's a lot of dudes who said, I ain't going to that dumb thing. I'm not going to do it. I feel bad for them because you're being filled with the Spirit. What does the Bible say? The Word never comes back what? Void. Doesn't come back nothing. So just by being here, you need to ask. We prayed twice. We, we sang songs. There's questions in those songs. Just ask. Step one, ask, seek, and knock. Here's the second one, and that is wisdom. Seek wisdom. So check this out. In the Old Testament, prophets and judges, they ran the world. But the people started rebelling. They're like, we don't want to do that anymore. Uh, we think we can do it better. So the Lord says, okay, what do you want? We want our king. We want our king. Long story short, they gave him Saul. Saul is a human, a man. He was picked by the people. And Saul started out good. And then he ended up really bad. And Saul, during this battle of the Philistines, even if you're young in the Bible, you know David and Goliath. Saul and his men were caught in this, this battle, this riot between the Israelites and the Philistines. And so Saul said, man, I need to find something we'll do. I don't know what to do. Everybody's looking at me. And in walks David. Long story short, thumps him, cuts his head off. David goes, and next thing you know, he's anointed. But he's not the king to follow Saul for years. Years, decades after that moment, when he was anointed as the next king, he was still a kid. Okay, you're king, now go back to the fields. Hey, Saul needs somebody to play a harp. Come here. Oh, he's done, go back to the fields. Sometimes you're going back and forth. You're like, how come this isn't happening? You've already been anointed, just walk the walk. And then David, when he got anointed king, he thought he had it. He was the most powerful person. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But he took his eye off the ball. And uh, he slept with this lady and had her husband killed. And he had a son, and the son died. And he was, he was very remorseful, obviously, for any of us, even if it was in that circumstance when people die, babies die, it's tough. But after David, his baby died, he had another son, among other sons. His name was Solomon. And Solomon, when he was given the third generation king, he had everything. King Solomon was the man. And when he was given the keys to the kingdom, literally, the Lord said, ask whatever you want. And Solomon said, Lord, you've been good to my father. You've been good to my people. I seek nothing physical, but I seek wisdom. Give me wisdom. Let me tell you what wisdom is. On May 30th, we had already planned for a riot. Flint was supposed to burn. History shows that it will repeat pattern. We already had a water crisis where our water was poisoned. My parents live in the city. I drank the water for five years without even knowing that it had poison in it. Babies were, 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 were lead poisoned to the point where their mental capacity, even at young babies, was already starting to be affected. Pets 
babies. They were being sick. Pets and people started dying. Across from the sheriff's office is a city hall. People would go there for years before 2016, holding up bottles of water that's all brown right from there. Soccer moms would have to take their kids to hotels, motels to wash the babies. It was a real deal. Rashes everywhere. It was like third world. And I've been to Haiti. It was nuts. Man, I tell you, Flint has just been a crazy thing, you know, and then all of a sudden you have George Floyd. And uh, some dude that looks like me, that wore a uniform like me, murdered him on broad daylight. If I could choke him out, I'd have done it. Because he ruined a lot for a lot of good cops. And that's not who we are. And when you saw something, you saw the audacity and the arrogance of somebody wearing a uniform. And you talk, anybody in law enforcement here, any retired dudes? Okay, well, you just know anybody that's involved in a field and you pour your heart into it and then somebody tries to ruin it, that's a personal attack. You miss soccer games and birthday parties because you're out there working third shift and you're slopping in the snow and the blood and the guts and, and then this guy's going to ruin it in almost nine minutes? Man, but we felt it. We, had, we were walk, looking at all the data and we're watching and they're putting rock piles and bricks there, Molotov cocktails. There was, from that location, right down the road, these huge houses. They're going to raid the houses. We were outnumbered 50 to 1, 5 0 to 1. There's people on their cars just mother effing us like crazy. They're on bullhorns. It was nuts. I would love to say that what happened that day was a plan, but it was not. It was not. Because every day, I'm just telling you what Chris does, okay? This is not no magic pill. Every day I pray for wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom, Solomon style. Give me that wisdom, like to know what to do. And the higher you go up, no matter where you are, the more responsibility, you need to get more wisdom, like supernatural wisdom. And on that day, when I saw that crowd coming, I'm like, this is so stupid. I can't believe it. I had my helmet on, my kid on, I had everything going. And for whatever reason, the spirit said, take it off, go in the crowd. And I half did it because I wanted to show I wasn't intimidated. And the other half is I'm trying to defuse this thing. And this all happened in a minute of four or five minutes. You had a whole line of cops that had their shields. They had their helmets. We had less than lethal shotguns. We were going to shoot pepper balls and rubber pellets. In the crowd, you had truly evil, mean people that wanted to have no peace whatsoever, all mixed in with kids and a guy in a wheelchair, and you had white and black and people with, with all sorts of color of hair and, and people that lived in the community, people that didn't. It was nuts. And I walked in, there's a dude there, his name is Jeff Hawkins, man. He lost two kids from two different homicides. He's a big black dude, looked like he did 30 years in prison, but he didn't, he just looks at it. I gave him a big old hug, and as soon as I turned around, there was a guy came up to me. I never saw him before, never saw him after. He was one of the organizers, and uh, my captain said, hey, this, this guy wants to talk to you. And as soon as I turned around, which is not on camera, I looked at him, I didn't even get a chance for him to say hi. I said, hey! I said, that guy in Minneapolis is not who we are. I said, these cops are here to help you. You tell me what we need to do because this can't happen. He goes, tell the people you just told me. I said, get their attention. I didn't expect to see what was going to happen next. He's like, hey, everybody, the sheriff wants to say something. And what was captured on video is a supernatural wisdom. Not because of me. And I say to people that that moment, the world got to see what God made me. And I said, hey, man. I said, these cops are here to help you. I said, that cop over here gives hugs. I want to turn this into a parade, not a protest. You, you tell me what we need to do. And in a second, people that have never been organized ever before... 
People that have never joined, they didn't have a, a, a pre-briefing to say, hey, when we go here, this is what we're going to say. A group across section across America said, walk with us. And they started chanting and chanting, and, and the sound was deafening. And I see, I mean, there's cops everywhere, but if you saw that video clip, you'll see I take a step back, I high-five a guy, and the whole time, I am completely on autopilot. I have no idea what's happening, and, and I can tell you, for those that have served in public service, when you're, when you're among a chaotic situation, you always respond how you're trained. You always respond. You don't even think about it. We've had, we just had an officer-involved shooting. One of my guys got shot on the 21st of, of December. He doesn't even know how many shots he fired. He got hit three times. Has no idea because you're in the moment. It's that sympathetic response, that fight or flight. Ah, that one. When he jumped, you just can't even make heads or tails. And, and when they did that, I take a deep breath. And I'm convinced. I never had a salvation moment, although I'm saved. I had a salvation transition. But that was the moment in my life that I know the spirit of God is within me because I said, let's walk. And I said, quiet. And I'm like, let's walk. And at that point, I'm like, I don't care. Rip the bandwidth off. Let's go. And I start walking. Let's go. All I want to do is get away from the police department because they're going to light it on fire. The radio traffic is going nuts. Secure the premises. Secure the premises. Nobody gets in. Secure it. Fortify the police department. Fortify. Fortify. I'm hearing all this. Sirens going everywhere. People shaking with shields and, and people wanting to engage and, and protesters wanted to engage and protesters wanted to defuse. It was crazy. As soon as I turned, I kept walking. Right next to me is a, a guy named Ryan Dobbs. He's a Marine recon, six years in the Marine Corps, has been battle tested. The dude's unbelievable. He's all kitted out. He's with my agency. As we're walking away from the police department back to the east, I looked at him and I'm like, and, and under my breath, I said, is the police department safe? And he's like, it's good. And I ask this question that's not in camera, it's not on audio, but I'll never forget. That is the moment for me. And the reason why I'm here and the reason why I answered your call and the reason why I used whatever platform God gives me to tell this message is because I said to Dobbs, where are the people? He's like, they're all following. And that moment reached 3.2 billion people in one day. So all the things that I think I can figure out, it's a lot easier to say, Lord, I, I, I'll read the books, I'll go to conferences, but I need your wisdom. That's step three. Because it comes with discernment. Ask, seek, knock, wisdom, discernment. What is discernment? Well, let me point it this way. Wisdom is holding up an onion. Discernment is peeling it back. Layer by layer. Sometimes you have time to do it. Sometimes you're going right to the core. It's always better, ready for this? It's always better to train in peace to perform in chaos. You know that, Marine. It's always better to have a mindset when you can control the controllables. I don't care if it's business, government. I don't care if you're retired. When you can train in peace, you perform in chaos without even thinking. And traffic stops, you know, we, we learned this growing up. And, and you go to a traffic stop and you come back and everything's good. How could that have gone wrong? Just last week, we had two New York police officers shot and killed at a domestic. You know, they go to an apartment, kids yelling back and forth to his mom. A third officer starts talking to the mom. The two officers go to the apartment bedroom. They knock on the door. The kid starts shooting through the door, kills both cops. Like, you know what, now that moment, just like my officer who got shot, Brandon Facting, 22-year-old kid about that big, we always go back and think, okay, how could we have done that different? What, what are we doing right now? You know, when I come in here, 
It's subconscious. I find out where the exits. I, I notice there's a huge crack in those two doors over there with the winds coming in and the light. I'm like, if somebody want to break in and steal all this equipment, that's an easy. Just one little pry bar, pop it open. They're gone in three minutes. Like, that's something that I think about because I'm always there. You know what else I think about? Who's in this room? Who, there's a reason why all of us are brought together. Nothing's by accident. Lord, give me the ability to peel back someone's life. I've met a lot of dudes here. I talked to my man, Doug. I know you brought some friends. I know Joe's got some friends here. I know some people. I know Jack, of course, for years. I'm like, there's got to be somebody that, that I'm seeking that you've given me the wisdom to say, hey, man, how can I help? Or you come to me or whatever. There's another person here. My point is I never waste an opportunity because that discernment that I practice, it makes sense to me. But I don't want it to be discerned through my mind, my heart. That built-in process of doing it in peace is filtered through the word. So it's a daily diet. Talking about health and wellness. I was a fat kid growing up. And my whole family struggled with weight. I've always struggled with weight. But there was a time 22 years ago I said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to be that guy anymore. And guess what? It's still a battle today, 22 years later. Do you know how bad I wanted four chicken biscuits this morning? I, I, I struggle with that. But you know what I do? I, have a, I, I go through a discernment algorithm. How is this going to help? How is this going to destroy? How is this going to take me? How is this going to do this? When I travel, I travel with dudes. I, I don't go out to restaurants unless I'm with people. I don't have female friends. I don't go by myself outside my hotel room wherever I travel. You know why? Because I want barriers. I want nothing to derail my mission. I let my wife know when I'm at the hotel. I let her know when I'm going to bed. I let her know I'm going to speak because that settles her. My wife, she's, she's a, a hot blonde I've been with for 27 years, and she deserves that peace. She sees that I'm out there doing this. Like, that's good discernment. I don't see that as a weakness. I see that as a strength in our marriage. Because as soon as Satan gets a, people talk about a, a foothold. You know what a foothold is in your life? It's a stronghold. It's going to choke you out. I don't even want the foothold. I don't want a foothold. I know, what my, I know what my weakness is. I don't drink. Jared, you don't drink. You've never tasted, I, I, I've never tasted beer in my life. I'm sure if I did drink, I'd be super fun. I'm pretty sure of that. I've never toasted, smoked cigarettes, or I've never, I've never smoked weed or whatever. I've never done that, but, but I understand addiction, and I understand that if I did that, that's a slippery slope. So I, I, I opt not to be in those situations. That's just me. I don't know where you are, but I use good discernment about who I'm with, where I go, what I do. I don't have passwords on my phones. I don't have any of that stuff. I want to make sure everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying, everything I'm thinking is filtered through the lens of Christ. Because what's happening is my profile is being built. And it's a complicated profile. And I know one little bad day, it changes the mirrored image of who I'm supposed to be. See, when you have that, that system in place, Lord, I ask for your guidance. I seek your will. And I'm knocking at your door. Lord, give me the wisdom of Solomon. Because Solomon just didn't stop at wisdom. You know what else he asked for? Discernment. Why is he called the wisest of all? Why is it? Because he asked for two things. And after he asked that in 1 Kings, the Lord said, Solomon, you could ask for anything else. You could ask for more stuff. 
But let me tell you what I'm going to give you since you asked for wisdom and discernment. Let me lead the people and discern how to do it. I'm going to give you wisdom and discernment greater than anybody in history. Like, that's the guy I want to follow. You and I have no idea more than 6,000 years later what he owned. You know he was rich. You, you know he had a lot of stuff. He was the king. You go back to the Jewish lineage and you can see from King David, who was the next king? It was Solomon. But what you can see today in this church is what he asked for 6,000 years ago. Wisdom and discernment. Like, that's a lesson. I wonder what's going to be remembered about you and I 6,000 years from now. Think about it. And so when I'm asking for this filter, it's not because I read it on a tweet. It's not because it's an Instagram post. It's because this is my algorithm. This is how you build your life so the Lord says, I'm going to choose Doug. Doug, go over here and do this because I know you've been preparing you may not even know right now what you're being prepared for, but I'm going to tell you, when the moment comes and you're chosen and the Spirit of God fills your heart, it is the most peaceful place on the planet. And I look at that moment, and I just, just this morning, you want to hear something really cool? You keep doing that. You stay humble. You stay obedient, and God will keep using it, using it. I was just sent a, a note today, and it said, hey, that moment that happened in May 20th, which is now going to be two years this year, two weeks ago, TBN had a whole hour special. T.D. Jakes, Dr. King's daughter, his wife, they played my clip on the MLK documentary on TBN Network, narrated by T.D. Jakes and other Bible-preaching giants. I saw that clip after everybody left, Jack, and I got choked up. I said, Lord, you gave me this clip this morning to validate that I'm walking the walk my final point is this. We have to have a gauge because dude want, dudes want to know, am I doing it, am I not doing it? You want some data. I can tell you, and I mentioned this to Jack, you know, when you're an elected official, you know, I, I always, I'm probably the most, you know, unorthodox, unique dude that, that, are, that is in the elected official business, whether it's county, local, state, federal, it doesn't matter because I, I look at elected officials, I'm like, I'm not that person. And how does my method work? And now I know why it works. And, but how do I know it's really hitting everybody? And when it comes to being elected, there's an easy way to determine it. And you know what it is? Votes. Like, if the people like what you're doing, they're going to vote. If they don't, you're out. I'm always cautious, and I said this before. I'll never do anything to keep my job. I'll do everything to do my job. Like, I don't care. I'm not defined by it. You know, it goes back to that deny in public, deny to my father, acknowledge in public, acknowledge. That's, that's, that's my go-to. But, man, when the people of Genesee County spoke, I could tell that they meant it because they checked a box. That's how I respond. It's, it's hard for me to understand if people are resonating with something, if I don't see something. Anybody like that? You're, you're like, you're mechanical, you're hands-on, like, show me. Well, I'm going to answer that question for you. The Lord has never spoke to me audibly. Maybe there's people in here who's done that. I don't hear his voice I know when he said the Lord spoke to me, I'm like, what does that sound like? Is he got like a deep voice? Is he a little bit Arabic? Like, what does that mean? I, I almost start to question, like, you actually heard the voice. But I do know he talks through prayer, people, and the word of God. He uses those three to say, hey, Chris, I, I want you to, to walk this path, and I want you to be the, 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 the bass pro preacher. 
I want you to be the chaplain to go speak to fishermen and fishwomen. Is that the proper term, fishwomen? <laughs> but I have been given this nugget a long time ago. And I'm going to give you that check in the box. And I hope to set you free. Whatever corner of your life this applies, whether it's public or private, remember this moment today. Let peace be your compass. The Bible says in Philippians, seek. The Bible talks about acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your paths. The Bible says that he will give you a peace beyond all understanding. It says transcends. You know what peace looks like, and you know what peace doesn't look like. You know when you sleep well, or you know when you wake up at 3 in the morning and your guts are tore up. You know when you can be public at every part of your life, and you know what you're trying to keep private that nobody finds. You know who you're supposed to talk to and who you're not. You know what you're supposed to say and what you're not. I do too. You know who you're supposed to be around. You know what you're supposed to think. You know what you're supposed to search. You know what you're supposed to do. that. Some call it conviction. I don't disagree with that. But I'm going to tell you, let peace be your compass. We call it our gut instinct. And in law enforcement, that saves lives. If there's something in your life that's not causing you peace, that's the issue to address. To ask, seek, and knock. To seek wisdom and to have discernment. And your discernment could lead you to a number of different paths But I'm going to tell you this, if you're living in a world of division and brokenness and you are not at peace, it's because you're outside the will of God. You you are not living the life that you could live. But on the contrary, if you have peace in your marriage, peace in your family, even in the storm, like I was, I was at total peace. It was crazy. I wasn't, I didn't have a, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm like, hey, let's go. I had total peace. Let's go. I mean, you, you want my badge? I'll give you my badge because I'm not here as a cop. I'm here as a leader and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to do what I got to do. Like that was the peace that I had. I'm just going to tell you this, whatever you are in life, gentlemen, this is a barometer for all of us. If you have peace, keep doing it. If you have no peace, there's a problem. For those that don't have a clue of what I'm talking about, you're going to hear it all day. None of this comes without salvation. As an elected official, I have no problem telling people I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, and I love everybody. I love the atheists, the Jews, the Muslims. I love the homosexuals. I love the straight people. I love old people. I love Southern folks. (laughs) Because that's what Christ did. That gives me peace. Because if you follow biblical principles, and he is your foundation, it doesn't matter where you're going or where you're leading. He'll give you the peace beyond all understanding. So, gentlemen, I close with this. Match your DNA. You already know what the profile is. You already know that there's a profile taken from the scene of the crime, which just happened to be a cross. And the blood that dripped down that cross from those wounds has DNA just like you. He was a man, and he had DNA That DNA of Christ himself that was left here for you in his blood should match you and I. I want to be convicted of that. Let peace be your compass. Thank you.
Thank you, Chris. Hey, guys, we're, uh, we're here for you. Your breakout leaders are here for you. Chris and Elon are here for you. Uh, so if you need to talk to anybody about anything going on in your life, that's why we're here.